Welcome to the vineyard. We are glad that you are here. It is warm in the house today. We put a new HVAC in the children's area, not in the big people's area. And now we probably need to think about that. But wow, how about that worship team leading us to the throne of grace? Absolutely. Man, listen, if you're here and you're wondering what Orleans is doing in our worship, I wanted to connect the song to the thought for the message today. And I'm going to be honest with you. When I sing that song, it glorifies the sanctity of marriage and it glorifies the sanctity of my relationship to God. And it causes me to confess a few things. I mean, I woke up in bed this morning at five o'clock listening to the rain coming and I began to pray. And I literally, I woke up and started talking to God. I did just like in that song he is still the one there have been days where i'm like god why keep doing all this just blow the trumpet but god is ever faithful and i want to be faithful to god welcome to vine stock 2018 this will be the first time we've done vine stock inside yeah this is the first time we've done it inside now what it does mean is that we don't have all the fun blow-ups and there will be no kickball game in the middle here somewhere. And so I, I just want to go on record to say my team won this year. Um, we're going to go ahead and just, you know, my team won and that's, that's all good. But it's good for us. We just want to have a service once a year where all of the whole church comes together as much as is possible. And, and looks around. And this is a service when the staff was saying, hey, if we do have the service inside, what are we going to do with the children? I want the children with us. The children are our future, but the children are, are also our now, okay? The children are our now. As children surrender their life to Jesus Christ, they're not going to be the church later. They are the church now. And we want to welcome them in here. We are glad to have them. And uh, like Pastor Janice was saying, you know, they had uh, man teachers. Well, this time they had examples of moms and dads and aunts and uncles and grandmas all worshiping God. And so inside of their souls, they say, oh, this is what we do in big church. Even mom and dad and grandma and grandpa and everybody worships Jesus, and we want to do that. Now, just for the record, we've done this. It's always been outside. We've always prayed for a great day. And honestly, when we talked about what we're going to call it, we couldn't come up with something years ago, and so we landed on vine stock. And so, you know, with all due respect, that uh, uh, Woodstock was a wild party in America way back in the day, 1969, I believe. We're not trying to emulate that part of it, but a lot of um, music, um, um, celebrations have come out of that, and specifically in the 70s and the 80s, Christian spirit song, um, everything was a something song, um, and, and it was just absolutely amazing, and people used to go to these gatherings, and so we wanted to capture some of the idea that we're here to celebrate. Man, we are here to celebrate what God is doing. In our, we're nine years old this year. Back at the end of August, we're going to be 10 as a church next year. And I'm so excited about 10 years. And so um, I just wanted a song that said that God is still the one. And that honestly, in my relationship to God and my calling as a pastor, despite all of the difficult sides of it or aspects of it, I am still having fun chasing after God and saying, Lord, where next? And God is still here after all these years. He has not left us, nor has he forsaken us. We're here.
You know, I saw a meme going around and it said, the Lord will never give you more than you can handle. And I watched person after person after person say, that's not true. I, I, I don't think I can believe that. I'm struggling with that because this is where I am or this is what I'm going through. More importantly, this is what I went through. And every time I see that, I always post on it. And yet here you are. You have got through it. God did, you, did carry you. So when you say, God has put more on me than I can handle, I'm telling you, you're believing the voice of the liar because you are here, which means that you got through it, which means God has not left you, nor has he forsaken you, and he still wants to do things in your lives that you can't imagine. So as I was thinking about buying stock and I was just thinking about 90 degree temperatures and being out there and like, what am I going to you know, propel out into Lake Reba? This is the message and I believe that it is still the message today. And I'm just going to be honest with you. I believe, I believe, I believe that God orchestrated this day intentionally. I believe that God said, I want you all inside and I don't want you to miss this message. I'm going to share this with you and some people are going to come up here and they want to pray with you. Because just like that storm outside that was raining down on our picnic, so to speak, some of you are going through life and your life is the picnic and there are storms crashing down on your picnic. And you're sitting there going, God, did you bring us out here to kill us? Is that what you did, God? You brought us out here so that we could die in this desert of loneliness, in this desert of financial destruction, in this desert of divorce, in this desert of wayward children. In this, did you bring us out here, God, so that you could let us die? And that is not why God brought you out here. Even though God is trying to do something good, you can look in the scripture and when God is moving in somebody's life and God is getting ready to do something incredibly good, the person that God is doing it for doesn't know that. God is going to do something incredibly wonderful in Daniel's life so he sticks him in the lion's den. Oh, that is not my idea of wonderful. That is not my idea of, Lord, I have been hijacked by a foreign country, by vicious marauders. I have been taken away from my family, planted 800 miles away, and then instead of you rescuing me and sending me back to Jerusalem, you say, bloom where you're planted. <laughs> That's not what we want to hear from God, is it? Or three young men that say, we will not, we will not, we will not bow down. We will not be unfaithful to God. And God says, all right, I'm going to let you get put into the fiery furnace. Not what they had in mind. See, sometimes, this is what I'm talking about. Sometimes when God is going to do exactly what we ask him to do, he takes us through things that we did not anticipate, and we've got to let him do his thing. So there is a story in the book of Exodus in chapter 14. A little bit of a setup is that Moses, um, a young boy that was thrown into a basket and abandoned by his parents because they wanted his parents to live, welcome all of you that just missed an incredible worship set, but that being said, welcome please, welcome. So, so Moses, by his mom, he's birthed out in a, in a land where they're killing all of the babies. 
Moses is put into the basket. The basket is sent down the river. The, the basket is pulled out by Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter raises the little Jewish boy that they're actually trying to kill. And, and she raises him up to a man. And he gets to live in absolute prosperity. He gets to live in what we called last week opulence. Okay, He's living in opulence. He has the best of the best, of the best education, the best place to live, the best bed, the best clothes. He has the best of everything, and he's raised in that. And then one time, he goes out and he commits a murder, not things that godly people or Christian people are supposed to be doing. We frown on that. God frowns on that. Do not take that up as a hobby. No, okay? The Scripture says we're supposed to come away from killing. We're supposed to come away from um, lying and cheating and stealing. And But Moses... He thought he was protecting somebody and he killed them. He killed the bad guy. And so once he found out that Pharaoh, his stepfather, knew what was going on, he ran off into the wilderness. So he goes from the palace to being a pauper. How can God be doing something good in his life? And then he goes from being a pauper to God calling him out, we're not going to get into that, to go back and tell Pharaoh to let the Jewish people go. They've been down there for 470-some years in Egypt. First they went down there in opulence, in prosperity, and then pretty soon they multiplied, and then the Pharaoh that was there did not know Joseph anymore, another character from the Bible. But um, as a result of their um, multiplying, um, the Pharaoh took them and made them slaves. So for 470 years, they became slaves. Life was getting hard for them, and, and God called Moses, a man named Moses, and he said, you go down to Pharaoh, you go back to where you were running from, check that out, go back to where you were running from, and you tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And so he finally convinces, we're not going to get into the plagues, but he finally convinces Pharaoh to let his people go, and they go out into the desert, and they're going, the promise is that they're going to inherit a land that they did not pay for, work for, or um, manage at all. Moses simply said, follow me, God is going to take you to your own home. I want you to pay attention to me. God told Moses to tell these people, come with me, I'm going to take you to a place that was not your normal home. And so they headed out into the wilderness. And here's the deal, they knew that Pharaoh was not happy, and so as they head out into the wilderness, they begin to wander around just a little bit, and that's where we find ourselves in Exodus 14. Now it gets important. It gets real important for you personally today because you're not here by accident and God forced us into the building. Therefore, he has something he wants to say to you. For goodness sakes, write it down. He's for real. Write it down. Exodus 14, beginning in verse 5, says, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, see, when the Jewish people left and he realized they probably weren't coming back, Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind about them leaving and said, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go and lost their servitude. That says services, but it means we've lost their, their bondage to slavery, their servitude. So Pharaoh and his chariot made ready, and he took his army with him, and he took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. They believed God had called them out, and they decided to do it boldly, and then Pharaoh goes after them. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-ha-harath, um, opposite Baal-zephon. 
As Pharaoh approached, the Israels looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, the man of God, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to have served the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And then Moses answered the people and said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Write that down and you can leave. That's your word today. There it is right there. These are people that left Egypt. They've only been gone for a couple of weeks. They left Egypt and they started heading back for what you and I know as Israel right now. And they came to the desert, but they began to wander around. And at one point, God tells them, you need to go to this specific... They have not crossed the Red Sea yet. But you need to go to this specific spot. And God absolutely directs them to a very specific, very intentional spot, just like you are in here today. It is no accident that your life has been orchestrated from your childhood until now to bring you in here today. And the Lord says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. So the first thing I want to ask you is, what is terrifying? Excuse me, the first thing I want to share with you is, what is terrifying you God is using to teach you? Can you get a hold of that? The thing in your life that is terrifying you. God is trying to use to teach you. And one of the most important lessons is, trust me in this. Trust me in this. Not, trust me, sit there like a bump of log and do anything, although he said, face that fear, but don't be afraid of it. The Lord your God will fight for you. God told the Israelites, to Moses, he said, tell the Israelites, look at this, I'm going to back up a verse or two. Tell the Israelites to turn back and camp near pi Haharoth between Migdal and the sea. There they are to camp by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. So he tells them the exact spot that they are to go. Now, if you can imagine, Israel, okay, 700, 650, 750,000 people, it's estimated, are camped with their back to the Red Sea. They have wandered and wandered, and God said, now, Moses, you take them all the way over here, park them right here, and tell them to camp right there. And you need to understand this. God intentionally put the Israelites in the front row. Oh, you know, it's not like going to church. It's not like going to church. You know how that is, right? Man, if you're going to church, it's like, man, I love church. I love church. How come people's got the back row filled where I normally sit? But I love church. I don't want to sit up front, man. Man, I don't want to go to church and sit down in the front. Oh, man. You know, that's how we do church. But, man, if we go see Justin Timberlake, 
Oh man, I need to be in the front row. I need to be in the front row. He might sweat on me. Oh no. But if the pastor sweats on you some holy sweat, oh no, oh no. But if Justin Timberlake sweats on you some worldly sweat, yes, yes, I've never washed this again. You know I'm right. <laughs> That's why you're laughing. Because you know I'm right. God put the Israelites in the front row back in the day. Rodney Dangerfield, right? Man, I'm going to the front. Must be in the front row. huh? All the college, all the um, professional sports. I'm going down to the front row. I got the front row. But not in church. In church, we want the back row. <laughs> so we can hear from God. Because <laughs> he can't speak to us in the front row. But that's what God did. He put them in the front row. Kind of like when you go to the circus and the lions and the tigers. It's scary, but man, you're in the front row. Man, kind of like when you go to SeaWorld, it's like they're going to park you right here. And you know that that big old whale's going to do this big splash and it's going to come over the top. And you're hoping that you get the splash. You want to get the splash. And in our world today, you're like, babe, come on, get this on I'm, video me because I'm just going to go viral. I'm going to get the splash. See, that's how we do. But we go to the front row and that's where we want to sit. But in things with God, we're like, no, no, I want to be there. I can remember the weekend that the beast opened at King's Island. I remember it. It's how old I am. I was there. I was not the first guy. But I was there, and I wrote it, and I wrote it, and I wrote it. Three or four times I wrote that thing. And then I got the t-shirt that said I wrote it. I wrote the beast like that. I remember when the Indian dealership opened in Lexington, Kentucky. I was the first person to buy something there. It is a sickness. I promise you. But I waited to change the oil in my bike until they finally opened the store. I have very small goals in my life. Be the first one to purchase something at the Indian dealership. I'm winning with all my goals. How are you doing? <laughs> You have big goals and you're not hitting them. Get little goals. It's much more fun. I'm a winner. You're, uh, you're not winner. You're not winner yet. It's okay. You're doing great. You're doing great. Put me right in the front row. The Israelites were in the front row, back to the sea, looking in the direction they've come. They've been two or three weeks just wandering around in the desert wondering, where is Moses taking us? You're following two guys and a girl. That's the leadership team of the Exodus in the wilderness. Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. In leadership, Miriam. In leadership, she was. Thank you very much. Okay, there's your example. Enough of that talk. Um, and so they were there. And you're following them because they said, God made a promise. They said, God said, come out to me. They said, God said, trust me. They said, God will give us a new home and make a nation out of us. They said, God promised, God promised. A promise you can't see, touch, or hold, but a promise nonetheless. God made you a promise. And as you're standing there listening to him, a dust cloud begins to rise from Egypt. What's up? Didn't Pharaoh say we could leave? You know, they left Filthy rich. Don't ever take my word for it. 
they left Egypt filthy rich. Because right before they left, God told Moses to tell the people to go ask all of their neighbors for gold, for silver, for beautiful robes, for yarn, for string, for all kinds of things. And based upon the plagues, the Egyptians paid them to leave. Millions upon millions. They had so much stuff the Jewish people did. These poor Jewish people had so much wealth all of a sudden that when they decided, God said, it is time to build the tabernacle, they brought so much gold, Moses had to say, stop bringing money to God. What pastor ever had that sickness and that problem? <laughs> okay, we're not taking up any tithes and offerings today. You people are way too good at givers. These people were. And it was amazing. And so here they are right now, backs to the, to the sea, thinking that things are to get better, and they're looking at Egypt, and here comes a big dust cloud. And it is wide. And it's starting to get bigger and bigger and negativity begins to sweep through the 650 or so thousand people like a prairie fire. They don't know what they're doing. They brought us out here to die. Do you think this is what God wants? Are they not listening to God? We can't trust leadership around here anymore. Are you kidding me? Don't listen to them. I'm offended. That's what's going on, folks. And they're looking at the Egyptians coming. And then they're looking at Moses, and they're saying, what were you thinking, Moses? Are you for real, Moses? Did you bring us out here to die, Moses? And so as you stand there with your back to the sea in your life, as you stand there looking at whatever is coming at you, and you don't know what God is doing, I want you to, to take a hold of this from this story. God is saying to this to you today. Listen to me. I allowed this. God is saying, I allowed this in your life. You can't see the big picture now, but just sit here with me. God wants you to sit with Him. Oh, it's scary, isn't it? It's threatening. It's terrifying. And listen to me. At times, it's overwhelming, and the anxiety almost makes your heart burst, literally. Almost makes your heart burst. And God is saying, be calm and just sit here because I allowed this. You say, God would never allow. Listen to me. Nothing happens on this planet outside of God's will. Either His specific will, meaning God said this will happen, or His permissive will which means he said, okay, you're going to go through this. So much so that James said, count it all joy when you go through diverse or various trials and temptations. T count it all joy when you're facing hurdles and it's difficult and you don't know what's going to happen because God is working out your faith. I don't want him to. Isn't that what we normally say? God, did you bring me out here? I can't cross this water. We don't have a boat amongst any of us. And there is a cloud rising, and we know it's Pharaoh. We know that Pharaoh's changed his mind. God, my back's up against the wall. I'm here with my children, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking down the barrel of a disease. I'm looking down the barrel of financial ruin. I'm looking down the barrel of a wayward child. What, what is it? What is your Egypt that's coming after you? And you've got your back up against the wall. 
And God is saying to you, listen to me, I allowed this. He may not have specifically directed it, and it's entirely possible that sometimes it is of your choosing. You did this, but He allowed it to unfold so that you can deal with it, and He's not shaming you going, well, there you go, you got what you deserve, you wouldn't listen. What He said is, you're going to go through this now, but I'm going to go through it with you. So sit right here and let me work this out. Listen to God say, watch what I do now. The second thing that I want to bring out of this is what you see as impossible, God is using to build your faith. See how that just fed right into it? This is impossible. We cannot cross this water, Lord. We do not have any other options. It's not possible. The only way that we're going to get out of this life, God, is if you do this. I know a guy said that one time. God, I'm not going to have an heir to my life to hand my dynasty down to unless I sleep with my wife's handmaiden, so I'm going to go ahead and do it. I hope that she was hot. She didn't have a hot name. Hagar in America is not a hot name. Hey, want to go on a blind date? I don't know. What's her name? Hagar. No, 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 no. No, parents, do not do that to your daughters. No. Okay? But he thought it was a good idea that the only way that God could do something was his way. And that is never, ever, ever the truth. That is a lie straight from the pit of hell. What you see as impossible, God is using to build your faith. You approach God and there's only one way. And God, you've got to do this. But my God is God and you are not my God. And you are not God. And my God... When he's in this picture, the dead will rise. And my God, the lame will walk. And my God, the blind will see. And my God, the deaf will hear. And my God, the dumb will talk. And my God, the leper will be purified. And my God, the person with lymphoma may end up absolutely healed. Went to my class reunion last year. After 40 years, I met a young man. The last time I knew him, he was here. And now he's like 6'6". Walked up to me, put his hand on my shoulder, and said, I guess, I guess we're the class pastors. I said, really? Tell me your story. He said, I met Jesus when the doctor said, you don't have a chance at all of living. You've got lymphoma so bad. And he prayed, and the doctor came back and said, you know what? There's one experimental drug. You want to give it a shot? And he said, I'm giving my life to Jesus. He said, Jesus, if you spare my life, it's all yours after this. There's no sign of cancer in this man anywhere at all. Yeah. Listen to me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why God doesn't do that every single time because, are you ready? I'm not God. What I can tell you is the goal of Christians is not to stay on the planet. The goal of Christians is to go home. But until we go home, it's to be faithful on the planet. And so the idea that God has to let me stay here is foolishness to those of us that have been saved and understand that home is where I want to be, where Jesus is, is where I want to be. And so we can let go of things. And that's a hard thing, but it's a place that we've got to come. Time and again, God shows us in the Scripture that life and death are in His hands. God can do what God wants to do, and none of the laws of nature and none of the laws of man apply to God. None of them. 
But here you are, caught between a sea and an angry army, between a rock and a hard place, between a king and the fiery furnace, between compromise and the lion's den, between slavery and a giant warrior in the valley, between life and death, between heaven and hell. And then God shows us that when we're facing the impossible, listen to me, when we are facing the impossible, he is already there. God is already standing at the Red Sea. He is already facing the army of Egypt. He is already talking to your doctor, whether your doctor is a Christian or not. He is already to work on your finances. He is already working on your wayward children through somebody else. He is already there. Psalm 139 says there is no place that you can go to hide for God. That if you go up to heaven, he's there. If you go down to hell, he is there. If you go to the farthest reaches, he is there. If you go up to the highest mountain, he is there. If you go to the lowest valley, God is there. Listen to me. The word from the Lord for you today is, when you think it's impossible, God is already there. Now back up and take a deep breath and just stand next to him and stay out of his way. Do what he says in the scripture to do. Don't do it your way. So to you and me, God is saying, watch me. Be calm and watch me because I love you. That's what he's saying. That's the takeaway that the Lord told me to write down. The third thing I want to share with you is this. When you see the end, it's nothing more than God starting the next chapter of your life. Come on, that's some good stuff. Write it down. When you see the end, it is nothing more than God starting the next chapter chapter of your life stop fighting god there's nothing you can do about it move forward now you can't back up move forward now chase after god college is over and i don't have my job yet you just got fired and you don't have a job your marriage has ended your spouse or child has died a fire ravaged your home, the flood actually came. And it would never reach this far. You were in a crippling accident. You just lost your entire financial portfolio. When you say, it's finished, it's over, I might as well do something extreme because there's no rescue here, God says, hold my staff and watch this. And Moses picked up his staff in the, in the war that he was going to face later on. And every time he picked up his staff, the enemy got pushed back. And every time he relaxed, the enemy surged. And then he picked up his staff, and they backed up. I'm telling you, just like Moses and his staff, God is saying, listen to me. It's not over. I'm just getting started. Listen to me. When I planted this church, my wife and I planted this church nine and a half years ago. I remember waking up shaking in the middle of the night, sweating, and saying, what if I screw it up? What if I mess up and it gets a bad name and it falls apart? And, and I could. I could. But what kind of egotist thinks that he is big enough to mess up the plan of God. Huh? 
Who do you think you are? Who do you, not me, I'm, I'm confessing my own. You confess yours. Don't confess mine. <laughs> you confess yours. Who do you think you are that you're so big that you can mess up the plan of Almighty God? Oh, yeah, you can take the long way around the desert because of your choice. You want to spend 40 years in the desert? Keep making bad choices. Go right ahead. But he's going to get you to heaven. He is working his tail off to get you to the promised land. You are not out there by yourself. There is a cloud and there is a pillar of fire. And he is going with you. If you think you've blown God's plan for your life, rest in peace, my friend. You are just not that powerful. <laughs> you aren't. Neither height, nor depth, principality, nor power, things present, things past, things to come, nothing in all of creation will separate you from the love of God. He doesn't take away your choice in that list, but nothing in all of creation will ever separate you from the love of God. So you're standing with your back to the sea, and you see the enemy coming. And it's threatening you from a bunch of different ways. Who are you going to listen to? You want God to do something in your life, but you don't trust Him because you don't understand Him. God is leading us into and even in the wilderness. He's taking us into the wilderness. He's leading us to inherit fields and houses and lands and vineyards that we did not plant and that we did not pay for. But who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to human wisdom, the devil's voice, social media, that's where you're going to find the worst theology ever is social media. Are you going to listen to rationality? Well, this makes sense. Listen, if, if it makes sense to you, there's a good chance it's not God because you can't comprehend God. So just be obedient to his word. But listen to me. God is saying no. God is saying no. When you're saying, God, did you bring me this far and now I'm going to die? I've been left. I'm an addict. I'm struggling. My children are addicts. My spouse is an addict. We're in financial. God, did you bring me here to die? Listen to me. Write this down. If that's your question today, God is saying, no, I did not bring you out here to die. Um, you're going to have to go through a trial period. Take a deep breath and be faithful. Persevere. Keep following. But right now, today, 2018, Vinestock, be still. Watch what I'm about to do in your life. Watch. Because God said, I brought you out here for the hookup, and I mean in my generation, not your generation. I brought you out here to hook you up with a new life. I'm going to hear it from my wife already, I can tell. I'm going to preach over this way a little bit. Sometimes you should watch how I respond, not how she responds. God said, I brought you out here to hook you up with a new life. Don't you want a new life? God said, I brought you out here to hook you up with some new hope. Don't you want some new hope? God said, I brought you to hook you up with a new future. Are you tired of being a slave? Come on now. God said, I brought you to hook you up with a new tribe. Isn't it time to leave those that are so sour with negativity that they're toxic, they're acidic, and it's time to let go? God said, I brought you out here to hook you up with a new home because it's a new promise for 
for a new people. Welcome to Vinestock. Welcome home. Welcome to your tribe. Welcome to your people. But man, you've got to stop sinning. He's done with it. It's time. Enough's enough. Let's stop crying about the enemy coming and start doing what God said. Let's leave those relationships that are taking us further from God instead of closer to God. Let's let go of that worry and that anxiety that's the enemy saying, he's not going to help you. Yes, he is. We are nine years here, and he's been faithful every year. We've seen people come and go. We've seen people throw rocks. We've seen people throw love. But God has always been faithful. He will be faithful until the trumpet sounds. How about you? How about you? Today, you're facing the Egyptians, aren't you? I don't care what it is. You're facing the Egyptians. You know this is for you. Come here. Come here. We want to pray for you. Now, listen, just get up and come here so we can get home. There you go. That's one. Come on. I preached this message. I brought this message to you because the Lord said, this is the message. And it, it, the Word of God is not going to go out and come back void. This is the message. You are facing the Egyptians. Come here. Come here and watch what my God does. Come here and be calm and be still and just be in His presence because my God loves you. Just come on up here. Man, you, you did not come here to just go to the show. When God said, man, I've been preparing your whole life to bring you to this moment. Because this moment isn't a show. This moment is the kingdom of God. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, be here amongst us. Holy Spirit, shake us. Holy Spirit, wash the fear out of our hearts. Holy Spirit, be a fire consuming the darkness in our souls. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, who is God, we love you. We love you. But we're ignorant, we're afraid. And we're in the desert, we don't know where you're taking us, but we can see what's coming. Holy Spirit, be here with us. Be here with us. Be here with us.